Revelation 7, 9 through 17. After this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, these are those who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne who shelters them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Who are these? The elder asks John. It's, uh, it's not very often that I get to uh, do a sermon on the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, mind you, Revelation. My seminary professors would be very upset if they heard me make this a plural. It is a single revelation um, because it is a very odd book, very odd book. Um, if you want to know exactly how odd, I would love to talk to you about uh, the fact that John who is receiving this vision was on an island during this time that is filled with all kinds of special plants. Anyways, this is a very odd book, and, uh, and each chapter, each verse, has its own oddities with it. Who are these? The elder asks him. It's a very strange question, because shouldn't the elder know? Isn't that what John says? Sir, you are the one that knows, right? Why are you asking me? Is this a rhetorical question? Am I supposed to know this great multitude which no one can count that is surrounding the throne of the Lord singing loud praises, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb? And then all of these angels and elders and what, what in the world are elders uh, in, in this situation here? Uh, I'm, I'm on the path to becoming an elder, but I don't think it would be me who is the one giving this uh, call here. There's very strange stuff going on. And so then I suppose it is some sort of rhetorical question or the elder suddenly has some amount of insight in which he says, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. The great ordeal washing clothes in blood, and they come out white. Once again, odd imagery that's present in the book of Revelation. 
Now today is All Saints Day, uh, a historic and traditional day in the life of the church universal, um, and a day in which we remember those who have gone on before us in glory. And it begs the question as we come to this day in the United Methodist Church, do we believe in saints? Interesting question, because then we have to define, well, what are saints? Um, to be perfectly clear, we, as a United Methodist Church, coming awkwardly through the Protestant Reformation, do not attribute sainthood to people who are United Methodist or do not really recognize sainthood as the Catholic Church recognizes sainthood. Uh, in fact, John Wesley, the uh, founding father of United Methodism, was vehemently opposed to the glorification of human beings in the midst of God. Um, so do we have saints? The question, once again, here has to uh, be in light of a our own definition of saints. Um, because I think that we might actually say, yes, we do believe in saints. We do believe that there are those who have ascended, who have gone on into glory. And that is kind of the understanding that we take of All Saints Day in the United Methodist Church, that there are those who have gone on to glory before us, those who have ascended to the Lord from this life into eternal life, and we call them the saints. Why? Well, the reason really has to do with this passage here. They, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. Now, the great ordeal, this is all kinds of confusing um, in, in the life of the church because there, there are scriptural accounts of this great ordeal, or as some translations puts it, the tribulation, or as uh, Tim LaHaye, author of the Left Behind series, would put it, those who have come through the Left Behind series, essentially, um, not a theological book that we can really talk about in light of theology. Anyways, the great ordeal, as far as we can tell, is simply that. Those who have come through something that is, well, challenging, that is more than people might like. And so the easiest way to, uh, you know, we shouldn't always take the easiest way, but the easiest way for us to address this great ordeal knowing that these are the multitudes that are unable to be counted present before the Lamb, it is simply those who have come from mortal life into eternal life. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but the best hints that we have is that that might be the case. We can talk more about the difference between the great ordeal and the tribulation and what on earth Revelation is talking about some other time if you would like to. I love these kind of conversations. They're really fascinating. But for now, as we attend to All Saints Day, we recognize the saints as those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who are these? These are those who have gone on to salvation. For isn't that what salvation is? To be washed in the blood of the Lamb. To be made holy. To be made pure. To be justified. To be sanctified. These are fun United Methodist buzzwords that... Uh, 
we attend to in our own theology. We're going to be talking even a, a little bit through our moment of uh, our participation in Holy Communion about more of this, uh, this illustration. But we have to recognize for a moment here that at the very least, these who are surrounding the throne are no longer they who are present on earth, at least right here. And so these are those who have gone on to glory. And for our purposes, we celebrate this, but we also attend to the legacy of those who have gone on to glory because this is what we can do right now. We still are present in this mortal life, not yet attending to our own eternal life in this moment. And so we consider the legacy of those gone on to glory, the saints today. Legacy is something that is left behind by those who have gone on for the benefit of those who remain. Oftentimes a legacy is in reference to some uh, legal document, uh, bequest, uh, that which is written into the will of another person who has passed away. And a legacy is that which they have left for their um, loved ones. And it's not too far off for us to consider legacy within these terms, but I want us to take it a little bit further and recognize legacy, at least in terms of the saints, as one of worship. See, we once again here attend to this text in Revelation 7 as the legacy of the saints. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Interesting. Interesting. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. Interesting. This is reminiscent of many other moments in Scripture. And they cry aloud, they cry in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Worship is the legacy of the saints. And here's what I mean by that. Whenever we come together on this All Saints Day and we remember those who have gone on before us to glory, we recognize what they are doing now as something for our own path to follow. We honor the legacy of the saints in our worship. And we carry on the legacy of the saints in our worship. And we are called, too, to leave a legacy as the saints in worship. This legacy, however, must be noted, is one left because of the grace of God. When we talk about legacy, particularly on All Saints Day, and when we talk about saints, we must attend to the grace of God. The elder says, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, we have to look at grace here 
and what God has done for us and what God is doing for us. And our worship is a response of what God has done for us and is doing for us. In just a few moments, we will be partaking in Holy Communion in which we remember that which God has done for us through Christ. We remember the great love of God. And so, as we think about today the legacy of the saints, I want us to consider worship as a legacy that we might leave ourselves. Like I said, over the, over the course of this month, we're going to be talking about legacy a lot and that which we leave behind. Not necessarily because, uh, you know, life is fleeting, but simply because God works through our willingness to give. God works through our willingness to do more than just for ourselves. Legacy is an act of selflessness. And we start today with a legacy of worship as the saints now join together in worship around the throne, as the saints who have gone before us have been examples of good and pleasing worship in their lives. I challenge us on this day to be mindful of the legacy that we might leave. To be mindful of that which we are contributing to those who will come after us, to those who are now working as we once worked, to the many generations which have not yet been for the sake of the world transformed. And so I challenge us to begin with a legacy of worship, as simple as that. And while it may seem very cliche to talk about worship in the church, I want us this week to consider what that worship might look like. In our passage today, it is worship of sacrifice. Hear these words again. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God singing, amen, let it be, blessing and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This worship, this legacy of sacrifice here is that which attributes blessing to God, not to ourselves. Glory to God, not to ourselves. Wisdom to God, not to ourselves. Thanksgiving to God, and not to ourselves. Honor to God and not to ourselves, power to God and not to ourselves, might to God and not to ourselves. It is a recognition that these are the things which belong to God and not to us. This worship is an outpouring of ourselves saying, God, you and you alone are worthy of these things. We are not. And so on this day, this All Saints Day, we come together to remember the legacy of the saints, to honor the legacy of the saints. And my challenge for us is to carry this legacy of the saints in worship on and on and on, that we as a church might be a people who worship, who worship as the saints worship. And may we, as a worshipful church, leave this legacy for others to come 
and worship after us. Let us pray.